Hello everyone, I'm Emma Sterland, Financial Planning Partner at Tilney in London. And in this special edition of the Tilney Investment Podcast, I'm joined by my colleague, Gareth Lewis, Head of Investment Strategy. And we're going to discuss the ongoing challenge of what to do with cash in today's challenging interest rate environment. As you probably expect, we're recording the podcast from our homes today on Tuesday, the 13th of October. Before we start, here's some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. We apologise about the sound quality at the beginning of this episode, which is down to internet connectivity while recording from home. So thanks for joining us, Gareth. Lots of our clients are asking what they should do with surplus cash. Now, interest rates are so low and the national savings have recently announced they'll be reducing their rates significantly. Could you share with us your views, please? Well, hi, Emma, and uh, good afternoon to everyone who will be listening. Um, It's a very, very good question and a, a big challenge, I think, for everyone, both in the investment world and people out there with cash on deposit. The the things people need to consider when they're thinking about cash are between interest rates that people will receive on cash, which is obviously at historical lows, and inflation, because it's the differential between the two that creates the real challenges. So when inflation is running at a reasonable rate and interest rates are very low, the real rate that you are receiving is obviously negative. Um, and no one wants to see their capital and their buying power eroded. Uh, As we sit here today with the impacts of COVID, although interest rates are at very levels, is inflation, the most recent inflation print, the Bank of England announced showed CPI in the UK running at barely 0.2%. So in the very short term, holding cash, while it's a negative returning instrument for you all, Um, is not doing as much damage as maybe two years ago when interest rates were still low, maybe not as low as they are today, but inflation was running at 2%. The big challenge is more about what happens next. Because if you think about the way in which central banks and governments are responding to the COVID crisis um, and their attempts to support the global economy, it seems highly probable to us that that relationship between low interest rates and low inflation will break down and that actually inflation rates will start to rise. Um, And so central banks are likely to keep short-term interest rates very, very low, um, probably as low as they are today, certainly for the next 12 to 18, maybe 24 months. But equally, they're going to be putting a lot of um, fiscal spending into try and boost growth and also therefore boost inflation. So you are likely to see the inflationary impact on savings becoming significantly more negative over the next couple of years. 
So being prepared to think about the way in which you invest cash and the way in which you can obtain an inflation plus return is actually um, in, in very critical to the way in which you view the next couple of years. And I think you know, if you look at the instruments that are currently available to people and the way in which you can invest both in terms of bonds, the next safest investment vehicle, um, interest rates there are also very low. And if inflation rates rise, it's likely you could re receive a negative rate of return even in bond markets. So investors are really now being driven into equities as the only way of achieving inflation plus returns. And that helps explain the way in which equity markets have recovered since um, the lockdowns of March, despite the poor economic backdrop. Thank you, Gareth. Very uh, thorough response. And actually, that leads um, nicely on to, um, I guess, a question I think um, that we, we get asked frequently, which is taking on board what you said, I think we all agree that interest rates will remain kind of very low um, or zero for, for some time. And that we accept that we'll expect to see some inflation here in the UK and in the US. What, what's the impact we should expect to see on equity markets? Well, I think that the first thing you're likely to see is some um, mild rotation in the way equity markets are behaving. So if you look at the detail behind the recovery that you've seen in many equity markets since March, it's been driven largely by global technology stocks and really a small number of those, the sort of um, the, the really large global technology businesses, because not only are they seen as being largely immune from the short term impacts of COVID, in many cases, their business models have um, actually thrived. Uh, so corporate earnings from many of these, Amazon, for example, have risen through this period. These companies generate huge amounts of cash flow. Their balance sheets are very strong and they have a track record of returning some of that cash flow back to shareholders through dividends. So the logical re-rating of these stocks makes a huge amount of sense in the current environment. But if we go into a broader based economic recovery from the low points we're experiencing at the moment and probably through to Q1 of next year and you get higher inflation, then you will see some equity market rotation, probably into some of the lower quality um, companies that will benefit from a more general economic um, rebound rather than the sort of very specific moment. And while that may create opportunities, for there is a risk that investors blindsided to the risks they're taking in some of the investment decisions they make as markets recover. And we would strongly suggest people really focus on the quality of the companies they're investing in the longevity of the business models, the solidity of the balance sheets when they're looking at how they may invest their cash to benefit themselves and their family over uh, the next five to 10 years rather than just the next six to 12 months. And I think coming back to some of the things that our clients worried about right now, the, the outcome of Brexit, the US election, um, COVID and, and lockdown, would you just give us your views on investing surplus cash right now? Well, yes, I think the, the the challenge about the right now is that there is no easy answer to timing markets. I mean, one of the things that 30 odd years of experience has proven to me is that actually trying to time the optimal entry point 
into any asset class is extremely difficult. Um, some people may be able to do it, but um, there's a strong suspicion in my mind that a large element of that is luck. And that what you really need to do when you're thinking about committing capital is actually thinking about the investment. So you're actually making an investment decision and you need to focus on the quality of what you're buying. Because if you buy good quality assets, uh, even at a difficult time, those good quality assets will provide compounded returns for you over multiple years. So the big decision you've got to make is how much um, appetite for risk you have got and how long you have got to commit to your capital. Because if you've got a suitable time horizon, which is probably three years plus, and you're prepared to accept some volatility in mark to market pricing of those assets, buying good quality businesses through equity markets will undoubtedly provide um, a solid basis for uh, inflation plus returns. Whether you should do it today or tomorrow is actually not as relevant. What you should be thinking about is the composition of a portfolio. A portfolio has got multiple different parts to it. It's not all equity. It consists of other asset classes. And those asset classes are designed to dampen down your equity volatility through time. So if you get the balance between your equity content that provides your CPI plus returns and the everything else that you can use, whether it's um, bonds or commercial property or absolute return funds or infrastructure funds, all of these things can dampen down your equity volatility to provide a smoother return profile. So it's more about thinking holistically about a portfolio rather than the short-term decision-making on timing an entry point into an equity market. Music by as Gareth as a financial planner, holistic, holistic view and, and a plan for, for the longer term. So we've got those three big uncertainties at the moment. Based on what you've seen historically, what would be your prediction with your crystal ball on what might happen if we get some clarity on, on one or possibly all of the unknowns? I mean, you know, one that jumps to mind is if we got a vaccine um, for COVID, what would you expect that to do to markets? Well, I, ironically, and it's, it's quite counterintuitive, it's quite possible that after an initial rally in risk assets in response to a vaccine that actually uh, equity markets have a period of weakness um, and, and to understand that quite odd response you need to understand that what's driven equity markets over the last six months has been as much to do with central bank uh, quantitative easing and government fiscal spending as it has been to do with uh, the underlying economics of the situation. So the closer you get to a resolution of the virus situation, the closer you get to perhaps some of that support being withdrawn. And if you start to see people returning back to work in large numbers, that's obviously extremely good news for wider society. But it may mean that some of the fiscal spending plans that investors have started to focus in on actually don't get delivered. And in that environment, you could get some uncertainty. So equity markets might um, actually experience a period of significant volatility around this. As you get the two um, different pulls, one to do with the positivity around a vaccine, the other to do with the negativity of the withdrawal of some of the fiscal and monetary support that markets have become so fixated on. So if, if we have clients that have their 
holistic plan. They've got the time horizon. This is surplus cash. What's your view on phasing into markets cash? As much to do with the psychology of um, the decision as it is to do with the hard investment realities. I think if you've got an appropriate time horizon and you're focusing in on this correct balance between your equity component and your everything else, and the equity component is very much focused on strong key cash flow generation and the ability to return that cash flow back to you as an investor through dividends, then whether you do it today, tomorrow or next week probably doesn't matter because your time horizon will smooth that path. Psychologically, however, it's quite a difficult decision to make, particularly against the very uncertain backdrop we face over the next three months with COVID, US presidential election and Brexit. So, you know, psychologically, you would feel more comfortable perhaps doing it in two or maybe three tranches. The important thing about that, though, is that if you do phase, you phase as a whole portfolio. So, you know, you, you, if you want, say, 50% in equities and 50% in everything else, you do that proportion, but you only do a third of your total capital. What you don't do is pick and choose or cherry pick the asset and buy equity, but not buy the bonds. Because a portfolio is exactly the same as baking a cake or anything else. You have to have all the right ingredients in the right order for the right period of time for it to work. You can't just pick and choose which bits you want. So, you know, by all means, these for um, comfort reasons. But if you do phase, you phase across the whole portfolio. You don't pick and choose the asset classes that you want. OK, thank you. I like the analogy on the uh, on the cake. So for lots of our clients, they've seen interest rates fall significantly over the last five to 10 years. They've probably then moved to portfolios to provide income to support their lifestyle. Um, with rates now so low on cash um, and some of the big um, stocks reducing their dividends. And just coming back to your point earlier regarding quality and potential negative rates of return, what's your view around investment risk and, and where we should be investing if clients are looking for income, dividend, yield? I think the, the challenge is people confuse um, a yield, which is the starting income a portfolio generates and long-term income generation. Um, and you, know, you could put together a portfolio that would consist quite significantly of UK large capitalised companies with a seemingly attractive dividend yield. But those dividend yields, I mean, in the current circumstances, in many cases are being cut, but more fundamentally, they're unlikely to grow by any material amount. And the real way of protecting yourself, both in terms of your capital pool, but also your ability to spend the surplus, is to focus on the growth in the yield, not the starting yield. And that may mean that you end up with a lower starting level of income. But if that income is growing by more than the rate of inflation year in, year out, you're actually protecting yourself against inflation in a way that buying a high yield that doesn't grow does not. And what history demonstrates admirably is that if you invest in companies with lower starting yields, but higher growth rates in dividend, that helps to support share prices. It helps to drive the share price up over time. But more importantly, in times of stress, it puts a floor under the share price as well, because 
people know the cash flow is there to pay the dividend and to grow the dividend. And people will tend to reallocate capital back into these companies when uh, markets are falling. So it, it's to do with the re relationship between the starting yield and the growth in that yield that people need to focus on, not just the absolute starting number, because high yielding companies generally do not grow their dividend. Um, and if they do, it's certainly not at a compounding rate above the rate of inflation over a long period of time. So thinking about the clients that I've been speaking to recently and, and some of my colleagues. So with, with national savings um, notifying people that their rates are going to be falling, um, I think it's fair to say that clients are, are really assessing what level of cash reserve they want to have. So where, where they have identified that they have a surplus, I think there's a natural tendency to be apprehensive about where they invest the surplus cash and to potentially consider just investing either a relatively small amount or potentially to invest in something that's deemed to be lower risk. For clients that we look after, most of them have time horizons of five to 10 years plus. Um, just wondered what your views would be for clients who have that typical time horizon. Yeah, I think you know, if you've got that time horizon and you've, you're comfortable with committing capital, it comes back to the, the point around what sort of return above the rate of inflation you're looking to achieve, which will dictate the amount of exposure you need to inflation protection assets, which is basically equities. Um, you could buy index-linked bonds or index-linked um, treasury issues around the world, but they're so expensive that... The, their ability to protect you against rising inflation is quite, quite low. Um, and you need to get this, this point about the balance between your equity and your everything else. If you can get that right, um, then I can see no issue at all with investing the surplus cash. Um, because even though the current environment seems difficult, and it undoubtedly is, particularly because of COVID, um, there are many companies out there that continue to do very well what you've got to do is make sure that you avoid the things that potentially could lose you some or all of your capital. So you need to look very closely at balance sheet strength. You need to look very closely at cash flow generation. And you probably need to avoid some of the asset classes that um, potentially could be you. I mean, the example of a high yield bond. Um, on paper sounds great. Bond makes it sound quite low risk and high yield sounds like the sort of magic formula that everyone wants. But, you know, investors need to remember that high yield bonds are rebranded junk bond of 15 years ago. And the reason why many of these um, companies are in this sector or, or subclass is because they don't have the free cash flow required to pay the coupons and the debt, let alone a growing dividend. So it's all about the focusing on what you are buying when you commit capital to an investment portfolio, you are making an investment decision and investments require an element of focus on the quality of what you own. Um, and it's not about chasing short-term market returns. That's trading. That's not what we do. This is about investment. And it's about focusing on the long-term longevity of business models and the quality of what companies do. I think um, it's, it's really interesting when I'm talking to clients around their surplus cash, we spend lots of time thinking about what's their objective and their, their time horizon and what, what are they trying to achieve, which feeds right into the, 
investment decision and holistic planning that you've mentioned already. I think we have got lots of um, nervous clients and, and they are inclined to sit on their hands with their surplus cash for now, um, just with the things that we've already, with what we've already talked about. Just thinking about what you, your experience, um, if, we, if we consider a kind of a typical market cycle and we, and we try and look forward to the next 10 years, how confident are you that investing cash now with a 10-year time horizon um, would, would put clients in a, in a better place? So I think if, if you have a 10-year time horizon and you don't, uh, you're not tempted to take capital out along the journey, then I'm very comfortable that you will receive a return above the rate of inflation um, after costs over that period. The journey may not be a smooth one, um, and there may well be periods of drawdown that can be quite unpleasant. And this is why, you know, you look at what happened in March, you know, at the low points, certain global equity markets were down 30 or 40 percent. Um, and it happened within 30 trading days, which is actually the fastest decline into bear market territory in history. Um, the speed of the recovery, I think, would have taken many people by surprise. But the reason markets recovered at that point um, was to do with investor confidence in policymaking, particularly central bank policymaking, and their ability to support markets. Now, if you're trying to time an entry point, I would think many people would, would not have thought the 23rd of March 2020 was the ideal time to commit capital. But if you had done since then and you bought the right quality companies, your return on that invested capital would have been very significant. Now, we may well have further pullbacks along the way through the journey around COVID. Um, so it, it's more around having the appropriate time horizon and not becoming fixated on short-term market movements. Short-term mark-to-market changes in share prices or even index levels are incredibly difficult to anticipate or predict. They have been for the last 30 plus years. It becomes more difficult uh, the quicker information travels around the world, anticipating what Donald Trump will tweet or uh, what North Korea will say is, is actually a fool's errand when it comes to trying to make investment decisions. So, you know, over a 10 year period without any um, focusing in on the, the peaks and the troughs along the journey, absolutely comfortable. But investors have to expect along that time horizon. So moving to... Um what we've been seeing in the press recently, the, the reporting on potential future negative interest rates. What's your view on what that might do for our clients holding large cash deposits? Um, firstly, I think it's highly unlikely that we will see negative rates in the UK. It's, it's certainly possible. Um, I think it's unlikely. And I think there's two reasons for that. One, I think there is no hard economic evidence to suggest that taking interest rates into negative territory produces any incremental economic benefit. The second thing that I think will be concerning to policymakers is the impact negative rates will have on asset prices. And one of the sort of backdrop stories to everything that we've been seeing in the last 10 years is that the benefits economically of the recovery we've seen and this goes for not just 10 years, but the last six months, has largely accrued to those people who already own capital. Um, 
and by which I mean that asset prices generally rise as interest rates go lower, so equity markets have gone up, but all other asset prices, including house prices, etc., have tended to go up over a long period. And the people who benefited are the capital owners, not the people who are working and spending all of their, their income to survive. And if you go into the future and you have negative rates, then the people who will really benefit from this are the people who've already benefited materially from low rates. It will probably drive house prices up yet further, putting most house prices out of the reach of another generation. And I think that's a very socially corrosive uh, situation to be in. So I think, you know, although in interest rates may go negative, the, the, the negative impact of that is actually going to be felt more widely in society than it will be for those people holding cash deposits. And in fact, if you actually think that is likely to happen, then the first thing you should be doing is committing your surplus cash into real assets, um, because you do not want the combination of higher inflation and negative rates eroding your, your um, hard-earned capital at quite a material rate in the, over the next few years. Thank you, Gareth. Really good to hear your view on that, because I think we've seen a few press articles um, and, and clients asking that question. So I think summarising the conversation today, I think the, the main points that I've taken away is, is understanding what the client objectives are, their, their personal goals, then looking to make an investment decision, looking at quality investments. And then if, if clients get peace of mind from phasing cash, then to do that, but to, to make the investment in equal parts, to your analogy, um, of baking a cake. Um, and I think that's, that's really helpful um, for us to share with our clients. So thanks, Gareth. We will be back soon with a new episode. If you have any feedback, questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at tilney.co.uk. Thanks for listening.